I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Jobsa Leaders, your host Matt here. You're listening to part two of a special two-part episode about MTV. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and check it out. Or just dive right in. I'm not the boss of you. That's it. That's the whole intro. So no puns this week, unfortunately. Let's just jump right into it. An episode, we're doing a job salute episode, and you're doing an intro with no pun. Oh my, I need to flip a table. Does anyone have a table I can flip? I'm Martha Quinn. The musical continue nonstop on MTV Music Television's newest component of your stereo system. I'll be with you right after Alan. So why did MTV have VJs? Why not just play the music? Here's Bob Pittman, one of the creators of MTV. I can give you the whole philosophy. It's really rooted in radio. And I, I as Martha said, I came out of radio. That what you really, what people bond to is a human being, not a thing. And what they really were watching MTV for was very much a radio-like experience, which is first and foremost, companionship. We're hanging out together. I can't hang out with a robot. I can't hang out with a music video. I can hang out with a person. And by the way, when something happens, they attribute it to the person because we're human beings and we're building a personal relationship. They are the friend sitting in that empty seat next to you in the car every day. They're your friend sitting on the counter talking to you while you're brushing your teeth or getting ready in the morning. They're your friend talking to you while you're cooking. And so what we, we wanted to do is we wanted to replicate that experience. And so you needed a person to do that. And indeed, when we, and by the way, we had plenty of people say, why, and our board say, why are you spending money on all those people and that set and everything when it's just the music videos? I go, no, no, the music videos are just a part of the programming. The other part of the programming is probably the most essential part. I mean, we can't do it without the building blocks, but the most essential part are the people, the human relationship. And indeed, when we started doing the first amount of research, to say, why do you like him? I love Martha Quinn. Why do you like Martha Quinn? Love the music she's playing. She didn't pick the music. 
Love that contest she did. She didn't do the contest. Uh, love that piece of information. She didn't do that information. It was, but they attributed everything they loved about MTV to the human beings they were interfacing with. And so that's why we needed the VJs. And the VJs were, in essence, the central point, the focal point. It's where the rubber met the road. And it was very important that we put together people who were very likable but conveyed the attitude we were trying to convey. That's so interesting because I feel like there is something about what he was just saying about needing the personality that's like a precursor to podcasting, right? Don't you think? Yeah. Like there's a reason why we, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we are gravitated towards the podcast that we like is because we like the hosts. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, listener. <laughs> Helen and I are your friends sitting in the back seat right now. So, but yeah, that, we're, we're stalking you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and then YouTube, of course, really as well. Like uh, with my YouTube channel, I find that like they come not just for the history videos, but and to learn. But they're like because yeah, I'm somebody that they, I guess they like. And yeah, it's always about that personal connection that you could just never like, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine like MTV without VJs just, oh, I don't know if anybody would have watched it. <laughs> yeah, there's something soulless if they had just played music videos 24-7 without any person being like, hey, guys, what'd you think of that? Hey, guys, wasn't that a cool video? Like, I don't know if necessarily it would have taken off, like you said, because it would have been kind of soulless. I can't even imagine how hard it must have been to, like, pick the first VJs if this had never been a job before for a medium that had never existed before. It's like the wild, wild west. And they're like, okay, we're creating this job. What what should this person be? And, and you know, I wonder how they, they picked the first VJs. Here's Martha Quinn, one of the original MTV VJs, to explain. Okay, I went to NYU, and while I was there, I worked at the radio station WNYU. Remember, I had no idea about MTV. I woke up in the morning. I went to my job working at Weinstein Dorm. So I was wearing a T-shirt, shorts, and jeans. Then I stopped by WNBC. Bert Stein happened to be there. Everybody was chit-chatting. Buzz turned to me and said, you should be a VJ on MTV. Within 35 minutes, I was in a cab going to that audition. I did not have mascara on. I did not have lip gloss on. Nothing. I just walked in, literally in the clothes. I got up in the morning to go work at Weinstein in. And the other part of this is, this is pre-cell phones. So that Bob Pittman would pick up the phone himself. It's kind of miraculous. It's like our freight trains of fate collided. But it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, we were such believers in rock and roll on television in this new genre, this new disruptor that we were all involved with. We were so passionate. I used to say we were rebels with a cause. 24-7, we believed in what we were doing. It was really wonderful. And, and Bob was mentioning the diverse group of VJs. We are still today family. And I think that extends to everybody who was there in the early days of MTV, getting it off the ground. Those are the times, the struggling, the coming up times that people reflect back on as one of the fondest times in their lives. And that really 
brings people together. And that was the early days of MTV for everyone who was involved at that point. It's so interesting hearing her talk about like, you know, working really hard and like not really knowing what the job was and kind of creating the job from the ground up. It, it, it very, there's so many parallels to me about YouTube, right? Like at the beginning of YouTube, like what even was a YouTuber? What even was a YouTube channel? What was a YouTube video supposed to be? And that must have been what it mu- was like for the MTV VJs. Like if this is a job that had never existed in a medium that had never existed, you're like, well, let's, what are we doing? Let's try this or let's try this or this is working and this isn't working. And you can go online now and find a lot of that old footage of MTV in the early days. However, they a lot of that stuff is lost. Those uh, awkward moments where they played the wrong song or there was like just they were stumbling through introductions and announcements. And But I, w- what you do still see, is, like the stuff that remains, what I notice is the passion, like that you can tell that they really love their job and they're just so excited to be there. We would get up in the morning and this was before it was a well-oiled machine. We would get up in the morning, go to the studio, all five of us sharing a teeny tiny dressing room and we would work 24-7 watching the videos. You know, we didn't actually watch the videos in real time because to pay a television production crew, cameramen, audio guys, video guys to sit there and watch videos didn't make a whole lot of sense. So we would do our segments back to back, but we would watch all of the videos in the quote unquote jock lounge and we would just work constantly researching artists. And this was before there was an internet. So we had just stacks of Rolling Stone magazines, Billboard magazines, every kind of rock and roll encyclopedia, trouser press books that we could find. Whoa, my mind is blown because I totally thought it was live in real time. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that it was not live in real time that they were watching them on a totally different day? I had no idea. No, yeah. Crazy, um, but I guess it makes sense. Like, you wouldn't have to, right? If you, if you, if you watch the videos beforehand, and you're just reacting to the videos or reacting to like, hey, wasn't it? Ama- isn't it amazing how his hair looked in that video or whatever? Like, you could just do it whenever, and then just add, and then just drop those segments <laughs> in later. Yeah, and DJs today, of course, that still exist, <laughs> they pre-record almost everything except for like the big time morning shows, every other DJ records their stuff ahead of time. And that, that also probably is a surprise to most people. (laughs) I'm surprised by that as well. I thought it was all live. Yeah, no, like I recorded some of my stuff and that was back in 2005. So. Oh man, this is just, man, like (laughs) you're telling me Santa's not real. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. 
I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we would just sit there and work and share stories and get on camera and figure out what it meant to be a VJ, what that meant to talk on camera casually about music, to not be Johnny Carson. You know, what did this mean? How do we keep it fresh? What exactly are we doing here? Now, when you, you know, anybody who goes into audition for MTV now, let's say if that even happens, I don't even know, would know what that meant. But back then, it was a whole, nobody had been a VJ before what do you even do? What do you, how does this even work? I mean, in the beginning, it was a very small, hey kids, let's put on a show kind of feeling. You know, if you go back and you Google the first hour of MTV, it's different. It's not the real first hour. It's history has been rewritten and I don't know why they've done this. That's breaking news right there. What do you think about that? I feel like I have to Google the first hour of MTV is what I feel. What, what does she mean? 
what you're what, what you're searching online is not what you find online today is not actually the first hour of MTV. They went back and edited it to make it seem what? like it wasn't so bad. Yeah, the she's saying the first hour of MTV Seven, was actually six, like everything five, that could go wrong went wrong. You know. <laughs> when that first rocket blasted off, and then the Buggles played, and then of course. There was a technical difficulty, and they put the order of the VJs in the wrong order. So it was supposed to be that Mark Goodman would come on and go, hey, this is MTV. Welcome. This is a new thing. And then it would go through each of the VJs. And then the last VJ who was going to say something was Alan Hunter. And he, because he was the last, he said, and I'm Alan Hunter. The tapes got mixed up. So Rocket Blasts Off, it's the Buggles. VJ tapes go in. First tape that's played is Al going, and I'm Alan Hunter. And they've changed that. They've put the tapes in the right order. And I don't know why they do that, because that's the beauty of the early days of MTV. That's the beauty of it, that it wasn't slick. It wasn't a well-oiled machine. I feel like that so much of TV and YouTube and our culture now, TikTok, everything is about that authenticity of like not being too slick and not being perfectly prepared. And and maybe MTV had a hand in influencing our culture in that direction. You want to have this, I guess, myth, but at the same time, yeah, the more endearing thing is the awkwardness and the... <laughs> authenticity. But it sounds like a little thing, but now everyone would know how to do it. But back then we didn't know how to be casual and talking on camera for hours on end. I mean, we were on cam, you know, we were in people's living rooms for five hours at a time, seven days a week. There wasn't weekday VJs and weekend VJs. We were on all the time. I would have people coming up to me in the street, you know, rather than saying like, Excuse me, Martha, could I? People would be like, hey, Martha, listen, I don't really like that uh, haircut you got. It's like, excuse me, because people just felt like I was their sister. That is so cool. Like, first of all, it's kind of crazy that there weren't weekday VJs or weekend VJs. It was just those five people round the clock. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, that's, wow, I hope they got paid well. But also, you know, I think... Our generation, Matt, like we grew up more listening to like TRL, you know, like maybe TRL is a little bit later, but like, can you imagine Carson Daly on, on TRL? Like he's super casual and he's like, hey guys, you know, that was blah, blah, blah. And like, check this out. Like there is a, there's a way of presenting now that is super casual that we're all very familiar with as a culture that I can't believe that they had to kind of create that because before then everything was very formal, right? Yeah, and I think it just naturally worked out that way. So you've got this channel that plays music videos 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but still a lot of record labels and even musicians are not quite sure about this. Is They're not quite sure this is something that will help them. And I think at MTV we took a whole new group of artists. They called it the second British invasion. Well, one of the reasons we had the second British invasion is because American artists didn't produce as many videos as the British artists did because they sent around a lot of videos in Europe for TV shows 
to get exposure. In the U.S., they used this very robust network of radio stations to get exposure. So they outnumbered proportionally the American artist. So suddenly they had this irrational share of the videos on MTV. And as a result, those artists started breaking and we could see a direct correlation. We also saw the impact on fashion because the TV broadcast TV have been operating under least objectionable programming theory. Don't take a chance. Don't stand out. So everything sort of looked like the lowest common denominator, middle America. Well, suddenly on MTV, we're showing people what the fashions look like in New York and London and LA, how people really dress, how the artists dress when they're in the dressing room. And it, and fashion started following that. Wow, that's so crazy to think at the very beginning the record labels would be like, are you going to pay us to make the video? Like cuz if cuz nowadays we think of music videos as like one of the biggest marketing strategies, right? Yeah. It's a way to drive sales. It's like, oh, that video drops. Oh, that song's fire. Like I got to download it. I got to buy it. But it's so crazy to think that they weren't thinking on that level at that point. So VJs actually became quite influential and kind of keymakers. I can pretty much take credit for Bruce Springsteen's career, though, because um, he was one of those artists like Bob Dylan who was saying, oh, I don't need to do videos. They had their existing career. They were like, oh, we don't need to do that. You know, that is for the newer, those newer artists, like those people from England, we don't need to do that. And uh, one night I was in a restaurant in New York City and I was with my parents and I see Bruce Springsteen come in and I lean over to my dad and I said, oh my God, there's Bruce Springsteen. And he says, who's that? And I said, oh my God, dad, Time Magazine's man of the year. And he's sitting down next to us. And Bruce Springsteen leaned over to me and said, hey, Martha, I don't like that haircut. No, I'm kidding. He leaned over to me and said, hey, aren't you that girl on MTV? Don't I see you on MTV? And I said, that's more than I can say for you. When are you going to make a video? And it turns out he was in the studio recording Born in the USA. And of course, he did make all those videos. So I'm just saying I'm pretty sure I influenced Bruce Springsteen in answer to your question. So in that scenario, I think I was a kingmaker. That's crazy that Bruce Springsteen at the beginning was like, hmm, who needs videos? (laughs) (laughs) He is the boss. And, like, it's so crazy that, like, that. I mean, good on her for being quick on her feet to be like, yeah, what about you, though? <laughs> she was the boss. <laughs> Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. 
Listen to Woke App Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A particular moment that defined being a VJ. Well, I would have to say perhaps that defining moment for everyone at MTV was Live Aid. Welcome to the worldwide Live Aid concert. Because that's when it all came together. We believed that we could change the world. And I believe that Live Aid showed that Bob's vision of music and television joining together absolutely changed the world. welcome you to a massive, totally unprecedented coming together of all the peoples of our world in support of our neighbors in Africa. So for the next 16 hours, we'll all be enjoying what can only be characterized as the hottest acts in music today. And they are Crosby, Stills and Nash, Tom Petty, and, you know, it's interesting on Live Aid, too. It was that moment in which we mattered. Bob Geldof had done something called Band-Aid and gotten artists together to raise money, you know, to, to fight hunger in Africa. And he came, a guy named Chip Racklin, who ran acquisitions for us, uh, brought Bob Geldof into my office and said, look, Bob is going to do this big thing, bigger than Band-Aid, a real big concert. And he's going to wants to us to buy the rights or either HBO and you and he'll use that money he gets from that license fee to help the cause. Well, 
I'd love to think I'm completely altruistic, which there was some of it there, but also we didn't have the money to bid against HBO for a concert. So I said, you know, I sort of combined the two, need and what I thought was best, and said, you know, I have an idea. Instead of doing a concert and selling the rights, which is typically what had happened in the past, why don't we do it? We'll produce it with you, and we'll make the feed available to any television outlet that wants to carry it. And the only thing we'll ask is that we'll ask for donations throughout the show, which no one had ever done. And, and as it worked out is that's what happened. And we did it in Philly and London. We sent half our people to the UK and half of our people were in, in Philly. And we did donations and ABC came in and offered some money, but they couldn't do donations on the air. So they wanted a couple of hours of exclusive, which we said, okay. And, uh, and we carried the rest of it, like, you know, around the clock. And I think, Martha, we raised something like $60 million, which at that time was stunning. No one had ever done anything like that with people calling in. And this wasn't the days when you could text it, not the days when you could email it. You actually had to get on the phone and call somebody and make a pledge. Very complicated process. And so it turned out they raised a, a lot more money they would ever made by licensing it. And for us, we managed to be in the center of Live Aid driving it as opposed to somebody on the periphery carrying a concert done by somebody else. But that was so important to MTV. We needed to be in it, not presenting it, not carrying it. For those who don't know what Live Aid is, it's, it was basically a benefit concert that broadcast around the world. Over 150 nations all watched this live. So we're talking 40%. Really? Yeah, 40% of the world's population tuned into this thing. What? 1.9 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was the first time we saw something of this magnitude. We we did see benefit concerts before, but this was truly worldwide and of course afterwards this became more common to see these big benefit concerts, but but MTV actually co-produced Live Aid and had a huge influence on how this uh got out there and so yeah that's why it's a it's a big moment for them we're actually we actually have a, a special guest here with us our beloved producer jason thanks for joining us today thank you for letting me come and crash the party i think the biggest impact that mtv had was just on how we saw each other they started to expand and you got shows like Yo MTV Raps, which it's not uh, too much to say that that is probably the main reason that rap got to the mainstream success and ultimate domination that it did of, you know, hip hop and R&B and all of that. And then you had that right next to the Headbangers Ball, you know, a bunch of metal bands that would have just stayed in the basement otherwise. And 120 Minutes, all these other types of sort of college rock, really what people called it at the time, but things like goth and punk. And basically the reason that I started a goth punk industrial magazine is because in the mid 80s as a kid, I got to see these bands for the first time sitting there in Iowa and suddenly all these different groups of people are seeing each other and able to relate to each other and get why they like what they like. And you start actually getting some idea of a youth culture that really um, is unified across the country. And I think that's probably one of the biggest 
impacts MTV has had. Wow, that's mind boggling. <laughs> that's good though. But ultimately this whole period does end. You know, MTV for all of the influence that it had, it had about a 10-year golden era, right? And then the reality shows started coming on, but they started showing more of these. And the truth is, that's where they started making their money. There just was not as much money in advertising for nothing but music videos. And so eventually, as cable started proliferating and there were more and more things to watch and it was harder to get the eyeballs and you had to get the money in, they started putting on more original programming until you got to the time of the 90s and things like that. So eventually the VJ wasn't necessarily needed. I mean, I have, I don't think I've said the word VJ ever in my life until this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've thought of the word VJ. It's not even a word, right? Like, I don't think I've even said or thought about the title VJ until doing this episode. I can't think of anyone who would be like a modern era VJ. Can you, Matt? Well, I would say the spirit of the VJ certainly lives on. I mean, we don't call them VJs, but, and when I say spirit, I'm also talking about like any influencer on the internet who has this strong connection to a community. Like Bob said earlier, they could be in this, the empty seat next to you. I mean, that's stronger now than ever, I would say, especially because we have, because of how fragmented society is now, like all of these different communities everywhere. Yeah. So in that sense, I would say they have a VJ spirit, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think what Martha Quinn is talking about as VJ, I don't think that job exists anymore. I wasn't there when they stopped playing music on TV. So I I can't say other than what my friends who were there say which is that the world began to change, that videos, you now have pre-recorded videos, you were beginning to have video on demand, you had other outlets on TV, you had hundreds of channels of TV, that the uniqueness of the video had declined. So that was one thought about why it was. The other was that one of the reasons why they went to more programs and less sort of we're just hanging out playing videos is because the advertiser would pay more money to be in a show than they would pay for just whenever the spot ran with some videos. And uh, so one philosophy is that they did it because it, the world was changing. They need to change with it. The other view was that they did it because they could make more money doing it. I have no idea which one it was, and I have no idea what combination it was, but certainly it's somewhere in there is probably what led to it. Uh, but I think for all of us who were there in the beginning of the original MTV, it's sad to look at MTV and not see what we originally started with. But I maintain when anybody on planet Earth looks at that logo, what they are thinking of is the original format of MTV. And Bob, you were saying that they changed for a variety of reasons, basically coming down to, you know, the consumer spoke, they wanted something different, advertisers wanted something different. And I would like to propose to MTV that I'm hearing so much that people are so hungry for the old days of MTV. You know, on my radio station in San Francisco, we're all 80s music all the time. So obviously my listeners are, are biased, but 
I, what I think MTV should do is throw up their hands and say, okay, we hear you. You want your MTV back. That's what we're going to do. And they should get Sting and Cindy Lauper and Pete Townsend to get to do a whole new campaign. I want my MTV back. And I think it would crush. Hey, this is Jason, one of the creators of Jobsolete. Who is your favorite MTV VJ? Find us on Twitter at JobsoletePod and let us know. Everyone here would like to thank our expert guests. Martha Quinn, original MTV VJ, host of the Martha Quinn Morning Show on iHeart 80s at 1037 in San Francisco. And Bob Pittman, the chairman and CEO of iHeart Media Inc., who is also the co-founder and programmer who led the team that created MTV. Jobsolete is produced for iHeartRadio by Zealot Manufacturing, hand-forged podcasts for you. It's hosted by Helen Hong and Matt Beat. The show was conceived and produced by Jason Elliott, hey, that's me, as Steve Zamarki and Anthony Savini. Our editor is Tommy Nickel. Our researcher is Amelia Polka. Additional sound engineering by John Norton. Our production coordinator is Angie Hymas. Theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Extra special thanks this week to Mangesh Hatigadar and Suzanne Kaufman for all their work clearing licenses for our MTV episodes. And as always, thanks to our iHeartRadio team Katrina Norvell, Nikki Ator, Ali Cantor, Will Pearson, and Connell Byrne. If you like Jobsolete, could you do us a favor and tell a friend? Maybe even leave us a nice review on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. You'd be amazed how much it helps. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.